Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... He says, rejoice to the extent that you partake, you are a participator in Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, that's the second coming, we've talked about that already, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. That when Jesus returns, that you will be glad that you were faithful instead of being like, ugh. I was unfaithful. Could you come back next week, Jesus? When a person decides to receive Jesus into his or her life, an incredible change can take place. Many of the things the world calls important don't matter as much. Rather, loving people and trusting God to take care of us takes over our hearts. This change, however, has to be a daily choice on our part. Pastor Jim reminds us today that it is much easier to choose our own selves first and forget about the needs of others. How should we think when things get difficult? With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 with part one of his message entitled, Enduring Trials. Well, before we really get into our study today, I want to tell you something about me that a lot of you know, but many of you are newer or you don't know me, so you don't know this. I am not a fan of formula Christianity. The only formula that I really put much stock is repent and believe, (laughs) Beyond that, some of the formulas that people have and some of the things that people write books about, quite honestly, make me sick. Here's step one through 10. If you do them absolutely perfectly, the Lord will do this in your life or the Lord will get this in your life. And then you're just like wondering, did I get step six perfectly? I think that stuff is honestly a bunch of baloney. And the truth of the matter is, is life is just too complex and the Lord's ways are too diverse for formulas, besides the fact even if you were to follow all 10 steps perfectly, if it didn't work, you'd be what? Disappointed, didn't work for you. Or if it did work, you'd be proud. You'd be telling people that you knew what you were doing. You'd become the need to police. You know anybody like that? Well, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do that. Peter's talking again today about difficulties about suffering and he, and he comes at it another different way because he's not a formula kind of guy even though there's a lot of different things he's going to remind us of today and the title of our message is enduring trials as he's writing to churches in the first century part of the roman empire and they're beginning to be hassled for their faith things are not going exactly according to maybe the way they would have it And he's told us in the earlier chapters about the wonderful benefits of being a follower of Jesus. And one of those benefits is that if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are an heir to heaven, that you will inherit heaven. You have a very rich father, always very hard to convince everybody how rich we are as Christians, but you have a very rich father and you're going to inherit through, when you die, uh, his kingdom And we're just getting a taste of it here. But until then, until we meet the Lord face to face, life is going to be full of ups and downs. Any of you, is that your experience? Life full of ups and downs. If it's not your experience, I want to know you. (laughs) 
Peter knows that our situations of life are all very different, that our temperaments are different, and we can also be temperamental, right? Some things bother everybody. Some things bother us one day, but not another day, and we're terribly inconsistent. But he also knows, and you've seen this before, and this may be you today. Maybe you're coming back today and you're like, I gotta get things right with God, that many of us, we lose our faith when things go wrong. And Peter does not want that for the Bible readers. That's why he keeps talking to us about suffering. That's why he keeps saying in this letter, don't let suffering knock you out. Now, a lot of times I'll give you my outline, and today I have a a lot of different things that I want to talk about, but instead of giving you some list that you get worried about that you have to follow it in the right order, we're just going to take a look at some of the principles that Peter is going to talk to us about. Verse 12. I'm going to read it through once and then we'll read it with some interruptions. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. So let's go back slowly. Beloved. What does that mean? Loved of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are loved of God. It's interesting that this section follows, it's kind of a new section, and it, don't let the chapter divisions kind of mess you up in this stuff. They were put in later. This section is right after, remember last week when he talked about spiritual gifts. And we all have spiritual gifts. But what happens, what happens when we're using our gifts and we start to suffer? We what? We, we back away. We don't quit our job, do we? Because then we're like, well, we'll be poor. We probably don't quit our family because we don't want to do all the paperwork, right? There's a lot of things we don't quit, but we think, well, we could quit serving God. And certainly God would understand But isn't it interesting that now he turns from using your spiritual gifts to what happens when things get rough in your life? Beloved, loved of God, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Another version says this, don't think it strange with this painful trial that is testing you. And we encountered this earlier in this letter. The idea is testing you in the sense of metals. You know, where where you would put metal into a melting pot and the dirt would rise to the top and only what was left was pure. And he's saying that these trials, these fiery trials, he's not saying that they're easy. That's what they're doing in your life. We've said this before. It's really trying to let you and I figure out, are we pure orange juice or are we sunny delight? Are we the real deal or are we sugar and water? And when we get to verse 14, we're going to find out that these fiery trials for them were the insults that they were receiving for being followers of Jesus. And he says, don't think it's strange when this stuff happens to you as though some strange thing has happened to you. And what do most of us do when things start to go wrong? Oh, I must have done this wrong. You know, one of your well-meaning friends, there's sin in your life. People come in, oh, there must be some secret sin in your life. I'm like, I'm riddled with the stuff, bro. (laughs) Right? I understand that. I understand that. And here he says, don't be so surprised by the difficulties in life. This is the third time he's told us this. 
Now in the first century, it was the hostility towards people who were sharing the good news by telling people that Jesus Christ was the only way to heaven. And maybe you have told that to someone and you have experienced that hostility. But hostility that they were experiencing was in the midst of what? Getting up and going to work. Maybe not having a job, looking for work, trying to pay the bills, trying to raise the kids if they had them, getting sick, so much to do in the midst of life. And Peter's saying, that's when all this stuff's gonna hit you. It's just gonna hit you. Peter's honest here. He's saying, don't think that being a follower of Jesus will exempt you from the troubles of life. Sometimes we see people, they come to faith or they come to Christianity. Maybe this is you and maybe you were disappointed at the beginning. You thought, I thought if I was a Christian, everything would be easy. Let me give you a little hint. If that was true, the whole world would be Christian. (laughs) Okay, especially in America where nobody wants any trouble for anything. We want everything to be easy. No, what Peter's saying is when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, yes, you get heaven, but it may actually increase your trouble here. There actually may be some other difficulties because you're a Christian that other people don't have. Now, a little bit of history. In the Roman Empire, religion was generally tolerated. Kind of like the way it is in our country right now. We're okay with you weird religious people. Just keep your weird religion in your weird warehouse church in Dover, New Jersey. Don't you dare walk outside and tell any of us about it. And so they were kind of okay with that. But there was in this time a new fast-growing group of people called the way. That's what the Christians called themselves early on because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so they would tell you that we are followers of the way. What happened? This group became to grow so quickly that they became a problem that the Roman Empire needed to address And so Peter is preparing them for what's going to come. Now today in our world, in many parts of the world, people are killed for their faith. They tell us that more people have been killed in the last hundred years for the Christian faith than in the previous 1900 combined. So please let us not think, oh, that's the Romans feeding the Christians to the lions. No, this stuff is alive and kicking in our world and we should pray for our Christian brothers and sisters throughout the world. Yet I'm not so sure that comparing our troubles to their troubles really helps us. You know, you ever meet somebody and you tell them, you know, you bear your soul. Oh, this has happened to me. And they're like, oh, you think that's bad? right? Or, you know, oh, listen, you should just buck up, man. You know, okay, you lost your job, but Christians are getting killed in other parts of the world. That doesn't really help you, does it? I can remember being a kid and I hated lima beans. I don't know why I like them now, but I hated lima beans. And my mother would be like, eat your lima beans. I'm like, mom, I hate lima beans. She goes, you know, there's people starving in other parts of the world. And I'm like, that doesn't help me like lima beans. (laughs) I mean, I feel bad for them, right? But that doesn't help me. So comparing our problems to other people in the world, I don't know that it's always so helpful. However, I think we should remember if the Lord can preserve them and their faith in the midst of their difficulties, then the Lord can be faithful to help us and preserve us through the difficulties of our own faith. I mean, most of our troubles, how do they happen? They just, they just show up, right? 
some guy in California, you know, he's just on his yacht in San Diego and he's just tooling around, right, you know, and just loving it. And, you know, and then all of a sudden some guy calls him and says, hey, listen, uh, you need to lay off some people at the New Jersey office or you're going to have to sell your yacht. So he sends an email. Gone. Last week, you just had a meeting, a tele-meeting, where he told them how much he loved all the employees, but he loves his yacht more. And so you get laid off. Stock prices plunge. Something goes on, cutbacks or whatever, and people get laid off. Other people just get sick. It comes out of nowhere. They're feeling fine. And all of a sudden, boom, something goes on. Maybe there's an accident. And, 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 and something happens. And you thought your life was going great. The future was so bright. You had to wear shades. And now you're just like, my goodness, what happened? Uh, how about the evil actions of other people? Now, I was at a wedding yesterday, and, and somebody said to me, you know, I just think that people should be able to do whatever they do just to be happy. And I said, you know, I understand what you're saying, but you should come do my job for a month because I get the recipients of them seeking their happiness. I get the mother and the kids or the father and the kids of the spouse who left. I, I get all of that stuff. And if you saw what I see, you wouldn't believe that at all. You wouldn't believe that at all. In our troubles, it's easy to think that the Lord is not there, isn't it? But here's where I just love about the Bible. And this is why people need to go back to reading the Bible. Because the Bible writers take things from this place of theory like, oh, it's great to suffer. You know, we're suffering for the Lord. And they put it into the place of reality. And he says to us here, in this idea of purifying metals, he is saying to us here, when, when you are suffering, which you actually think serves no purpose, is actually a sign of God's purifying presence in your life. That God is taking your suffering and your difficulty and my suffering and my difficulty and he's taking us from sunny delight, right? To the real thing. He is purifying us. And that goes back to chapter one when he told us that the Lord uses trials to refine our faith. He uses trials and difficulty and suffering to strengthen our character. He uses these things to draw us closer to him. He uses these things to prepare us for the next difficulty, but he's also, as we're gonna see, using them to prepare us for the next life. And Peter says, don't be surprised when this happens to you. But once again, we love Peter, right? Writing about 30 years since Jesus ascended into heaven, he's ripping off Jesus at every turn. I love that. Jesus said this, John 16, these things I have spoken to you, this is the night before he's crucified, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Jesus is not like, you know, um, if you come to me, it's always gonna be easy. No, that's false teachers on television. Jesus doesn't come and say, you know what? If you come to me, it might be difficult for you here and there. No, no, he says, you're going to have trouble in this world. Some of you thought you were single and you thought, oh, my world will be easier if I got married. And then you got married. You're like, oh my gosh, does anybody know? <laughs> then you thought, well, having kids will fix it. <laughs> no, having kids will fix you. <laughs> right? We're going to have trouble. And then Jesus says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What's he saying? That there's hope for a follower of Jesus in our trials that God is at work. Well, you say, what should I do? Verse 13. Verse 13 is most unhelpful. Most unhelpful. It says, in the midst of your trials, but rejoice. Some of you are looking at me like, are you kidding? And I'm looking at you the same way. 
but rejoice, but not rejoice that bad things are happening. Oh, my life is a wreck. I'm so happy. I love Jesus. No, that's not what he's saying. He says, rejoice to the extent that you partake, you are a participator in Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, that's the second coming, we've talked about that already, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. That when Jesus returns, that you will be glad that you were faithful instead of being like, oh, I was unfaithful. Could you come back next week, Jesus? Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm glad you're here. I'm so thankful you're here because when I came to a church like this for the first time, I was not a believer, okay? Truth be told, I smoked pot before I went in, all right? <laughs> because I had a bad hangover. So like, that's what it is. I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything, okay? Now, the young kids are like, oh, Pastor Jim. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, bad, all right? But if you are not a follower of Jesus, I will admit to you that this is where the true Christian faith, I'm not talking about some cheesy church going thing. It's not what I'm talking about. This is where the true Christian faith seems really odd. That you're going to have troubles, that God is going to use those troubles to purify you, and he tells you to rejoice. Now, obviously, if you can tell by what I just said, before I was a follower of Jesus, if I had troubles or I had problems, there was lots of things I did to forget them. Like I had a list of different things that I would do depending upon supply and demand, if you know what I mean. The last thing I would do if I had troubles was rejoice. It wasn't on the bottom of the list. It wasn't even on the list. So let's think about what he's saying here by thinking about what he's not saying. Because if you're like, I got problems, but I'm not rejoicing. He's not saying be happy for all the bad stuff that has happened. He's not saying be happy for all the bad stuff that may be happening to you right now. He says, rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. Don't be overly sad about it. Understand that in your suffering for being a Christian, there is some connection between you and Jesus. You are in a sense getting a taste of his suffering and he, because he suffered, people say, well, why would, why would God let all the suffering happen? And I don't know the answer to that, Fully, I know a theological answer, not worth much when you're talking to people of suffering, but I can tell you this, he cares. He cares because he came in to suffer with us. And so he's telling us that suffering for being a Christian or suffering and being faithful as a Christian shows that you belong to Jesus. You don't quit. You stay at it even though it's not going well. And Peter says, that's part of the process that God is using to show you that you really belong to Jesus. And he says, and for that, you rejoice. Not for the problems, but you rejoice that God's work of grace is upon you in the fact that you are staying with the faith in the midst of so many things going wrong. The apostle Paul agrees, Romans eight seventeen. he says, and if children, then heirs, meaning inheritors, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. What's he saying? He's saying, look, track the projection of Jesus' life. Jesus was born. 
Jesus suffered. In fact, the Bible says that he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. The ridicule, the people making fun of him, the difficulties, the time when he had to tell the truth, when it would be easier to lie and have to say, Lord, Lord, what do, what do you want me to do here? Heavenly Father, what, do you, what should I do? He learned obedience from the things that he suffered and then he died and then he went to glory. And both apostles are saying, that's the same thing for a Christian. That we are gonna suffer and we're gonna learn to be conformed to the image of Christ, the Bible says. We're gonna start to become more like Jesus. Then we're gonna die and then we're going to go to glory. And joyful suffering is uniquely Christian in the sense that we are on the path to glory with Jesus. But again, let's be honest. He is not saying that rejoicing will make all the pain go away. Some of you are going through some really deep waters and the Lord is saying rejoice. Praise my name. Put your trust in me. But he honors your suffering so much that he doesn't say it's gonna make all the pain go away. Sometimes people ask me questions, you know, when I'm out meeting people and I had one of a conversation yesterday at the wedding I was at and I said, you know, I appreciate your question but, but you have to understand that, that we need a long time to talk about that because I wouldn't dishonor your question by some quick, trite, cheesy answer because my Lord is not like that. He's saying it's about sharing something in common with Jesus it's about being like Jesus. It's about being made ready for the future glory in heaven. Now again, today, if you're here and you're not a Christian, or and what I mean by that is you're not a real follower of Jesus. You've never put your trust in him. Or maybe you'd say, I am a Christian, but you know what? I am just getting creamed by suffering and difficulty and trouble. I am not rejoicing in the trials of my life. Do you understand that's a wonderful grace too? Do you understand that, that, that God uses trials to get all of us to ponder life? To get all of us to ponder him. To help us to see how broken this world is and why it was so necessary for him to come. You know, I find to try and talk to people these days about Jesus, it's getting a little bit harder for sure. But when you want to talk to people about how broken this world is, and how dysfunctional this world is. And how God entered into the brokenness and dysfunction in the person of Jesus Christ. I think you will find more of an audience than you think you might get otherwise. C.S. Lewis, great quote, he said this. He said, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains, it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf word. Maybe you're saying, I don't hear the voice of God, or I think God has forgotten me. It might well be, as Lewis said, no, actually God is shouting to you. Turn your ear to him. Listen to what he has to say. You say, okay, I get that for the future. I get how he's preparing me for the future. But it's so important, Pastor Jim, you gotta see this, that I live in the here and now and I have all kinds of problems. 
We met a lady yesterday at the wedding we were at, and, and she said to Pam and I, she said, you know, I used to go to church, but I don't go anymore. And we said, why? And she said, because I looked at all the people there, and she said, all their lives were so perfect, and my life is such a hot mess. And Pam and I started to laugh. We were like, if you only knew what we knew about church people. <laughs> if only you knew what we know about ourselves. Right? You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we are overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass on this message to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Change by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord here in the book of 1 Peter, one verse at a time. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time, 